0: Um, Today's stuff is Duff Mem, and we're in the middle of Lama Tadamajbat, and the... um the issue we're dealing with right now is that the mission spoke about what happens if you have an ox that's goring, that's owned by a cheirushet v'kata, and somebody who can't be uh, competent to watch it. So they're exempt, which is nice for them, but we have to protect the community. So Bayes' appoints an apitropus, some type of a guardian. Um, and as we pointed out yesterday, this apitropus is different. A normal apitropus is appointed for the sake of the of the miners, you know, or the or the v'shote, in order to help uh, oversee their interests, protect their interests. Here it's done for the sake of the community. Um, and um, and anyway, but by ha- pointing that person, the Mishnah emphasizes that then if we warn him three times, the, to- the ox becomes a muad. And so the Mar- uh, fr- uh gets into the question about whether they would actually pay for the first three times as a Tom, Maybe because the, the first, maybe if, if it's a knas, or in general the Torah goes easy on the person the first three times. Maybe in this case also we would not make anybody pay for the first three times. That's a question about my medium, my but everybody agrees that once they become a uh, becomes a muad they pay and then the question became who has to pay so on the one hand the Kheh of the Tatan are never liable even for damage they do by themselves so in principle they shouldn't be liable here in principle the Apitropis should be the one liable here if he's taking the responsibility he's like a Shomer um, except of course that nobody's going to want the job and the interesting thing Sethi Gmar never suggests that we would make it into a paid job so um, so in that case at um, the, the, the end of the day we decided that the uh, that the of Khershah uh, would have to pay either immediately or they'd have to reimburse the Apotropos. Okay, so those were some of the issues that we discussed. And then the last issue that we discussed was the question about Rosh Hashanah, whether, and this is a very strange idea, whether after it's being warned by the, the, the Apotropos who was warned and turned into a Muad, when he gives it back, the Kuton becomes an adult, that now it goes back to being a Tom. And uh, we're going to see in a little bit in the Gemara that might even be a case of a Shomer. I give it to a Shomer, he's warned, he gives it back to me. Which is like crazy. That's not even a changing of ownership. It was always mine. It was being watched on my behalf. And it seems that this really only makes sense, although the government never ties it in explicitly, with the idea that what an idea of a muad is, is it's not that the ox is habitual, but that I have ignored the warnings for three times. I am a habitual, you know, negligent person with my ox. Um, and therefore, if it's a different person, it's a different person. Even if it goes from the shomer to me, um, so that is the principle of rishos Mishana So those are some of the issues that we that we dealt with yesterday. And the Gemara now is dealing with a statement of Rabbi Yaakov who says that an ax of a cheresh you need to pay half nezek. And the Gemara said that um, and that the case of Rabbi Yaakov was the following. I mean, it was really the bright that was very brief, but it says the case of Rabbi Yaakov was the following: that basically you're dealing with a case of a short time that became a muad, okay, in the um, under the under the aegis of the Apotropos, Um and basically now, and this is the principle about Rabbi that says that says Sad tamuso omid. so if this ox you I'll draw it with horns okay <laughs> here's the ox with its tail or whatever anyway it's, oh it still looks like a cockroach. anyway when it was a tom it paid half now it became muad, it pays the other half but we basically view it as that half of it is a mu, it's paying half of being a mu'at and the other half it was always paying as being a tom and the relevance of this is is that if you did a shmira p'chusa a shmira p'chusa a, a minimum shmira okay I guess, well, maybe we'll do it the other way, because naturally you go up. Okay, this is Muad and that's Tom. So if you do, if this is, this is a Shmira Pachusa level, okay? And this is a Shmira Meula level. So, if you did a Shmira Me'ula, you're totally exempt. But if you did a Shmira Pchusa, Shmir, this is the ironic position, which we'll discuss more when we get to it. A Shmira phusa exempts you for your animal as a Mu'ad, but if you do a Shmir, minimum Shmira and your animal is a tom, you still pay. So, for a Yehuda, ironically, you have this sure that's a Mu'ad, and it's two strange ideas. One, one is paradoxical, and one is just strange. The strange idea is it's half tom and half Mu'ad. The paradoxical idea is is that you need less shmirah for a muad than a Tom. so you have this animal that's a muad you did a shmirah pchusa you're exempt for the muad half and you're still going to pay half for his tam and that's the position of Rebbe Yaakov that says that the, that the ox you pay half it was exactly a psak like Rebbe Yehuda and plus the idea that even though it's owned by a cherishat of a an ox will pay under the aegis of an apitropus for a cherishat of a katan a tam will pay ma amin an apitropus latam mi gufo. okay so now now the Gemara continues the following. Amalia Baye, okay, so we are now um, about, one, two, three, four, five, about uh, 15 lines from the bottom, lines that's the word Ligvos Migufo. Amalia Baye, so Baye said to Rava, who gave this explanation, the rope league does Rabbi Yaakov not argue with Rabbi Yehuda about these positions, about half Tom, half Muach, Mirabchus, et etc.? Here's a debate of Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yaakov. Nebita says you pay, and Yaakov says half. So, So we have to figure out, obviously they're debating something so what what are they debating it's presumably they're debating maybe this will idea maybe this half time half idea something they're debating so let's take a look and here's actually interesting Reb Yehuda is the one that says you pay full okay normally Reb Yehuda is the one that has the interesting position of paying half so let's see He says according to Rava Rabbi Yaakov is just explaining. Reb Yehuda says, Chayev, and Rabbi Yaakov says, what does he mean, Chayev? He means half, because of this position of Rebi of Yehuda, that it's a half time half-muad, and you did a shmirah that gets you out of the muad obligation. So, yes, they're not arguing. He's just explaining. All right. So now the Gemara says like this, Ul Abaydam are pleading, Khonig that they argue, but my what do they argue about? Okay. Now, what happens is, you didn't do any shmirah. For this muad. You didn't do any Shmira, you should be paying full, right? Yeah. For the time and for the Mu'ad half. So we not okay um, and that's why Rabbi Yehuda says you pay full so it says like this Rabbi Yaakov Rabbi but here's why Rabbi Yaakov says you pay half he agrees with Rabbi Yehuda half and he disagrees half he agrees that it's a half time. okay that he agrees to. so then why does he say you pay half you should still pay full you didn't walk it at all but he argues on the following in this case you don't pay it at all, you're paying half for it being a tam and half for it being a muad, right? But the half for it being a tam, it's an ox of a chayrushev of a katan, so they could only be paying that if we assume that the apotropus allows us to collect for the tam part of the ox of a chayrushev of a katan. So that's what Rabbi Yehuda says, and therefore he says you pay full. Whereas Rabbi Yakov says, it's, I agree it's half tam, half muad, but I don't agree that you'll ever pay for the tam under the aegis of a of an apitropis. Okay, the you have Yudas of Rama, midim lema apitropis, so as opposed to before right when we said you did this level of shmirah and you're paying for the time half he was saying that when Rabbi Yaakov says you're paying half you're paying for the muad half ok you're not paying for the tam and that actually is a little more interesting and makes a little more sense that we're talking about an act of a chei of katan because it's an act of a chei rishad of katan you're not going to pay for the tam part of it but you will still pay half for the mu'at part of it that he agrees with Rebbe Yehuda ok um, so that's Rabbi's read nice read ok amalei rabacha barabaye Ravina. so Rabbi Rabbi said to Rabbi he said to I understand what Abaye presumably my father said. so that works out good. That Rabbi Yehuda says you pay full, and Rabbi Yaakov says you pay half. Only the muad half because you don't pay for a Tom for an, uh, for chera of a According to Rava, says they don't argue. So Rava made it this complicated idea that it was a right that, that it was a muad, and you're paying half, and the half you're paying is for the tam because you did a partial shmirah. That was Rava's idea. So look, Batam. the So just make it an easy case. Say it's a tam, and you pay half because my mita ma petropis the Why do you have to make it such a complicated case? Just say it's a tam, and that's why you pay half so the verse says why are you paying the reason you pay for it is because you didn't do a sufficient shmira so for Rebbe who that for a time you need a high level shmira the case would be you did a low level shmira or in according to Rebbe right, it would be maybe it would be that you didn't do any shmira minimum shmira would be enough for a time so you didn't do any we use some scenario that you did not do the sufficient shmira and the point is you pay for a time because and the Khiddish is my meeting my medium up is Latam, League for Miguel. So Revelat says you just need minimum shmirah, Okay? So why did you make it a complicated case that you did half shmirah and you're paying for the half that's a Tom? Just say you did not do it's own it's not a muad, it's a Tom. You didn't do sufficient shmirah, and that's why you're paying. And the Khiddish is my medium upitrophil, league was me Why did he just explain it that way? The high and the is So why do you make it complicated? Just say it's a to Tom, and that's why you're paying. You're right. You know what? He could have said that, but he would rather interpret it in a more interesting case. So when you say it's this case, you're telling you a lot of things. You're telling my meeting to looking Gufo, and you're telling me that a muad is a half tam, half muad, and you're telling me that Shmir Pachusa works for muad and not for a tam. So he'd rather tell you a much bigger chiddush. Okay, timer of these say Tarchi timer. That's two reasons. Ravina says, let's go back to the debate of uh, Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Yehuda, where Rabbi Yehuda says full and Rabbi Yaakov says half. Okay, so what? What is that debate? What's the scenario? What's that debate about? If it is a debate. So Bay said it's a debate about my meeting uh you know, apotropical Tom League must be goofo. And therefore it's a half time, half muad, are you gonna pay the time half? Okay, uh Ravina says, uh Meshus Mishana I to beu. To go to Haley Muad, Vinit Paker Khaeris, Venice Hashoka, Vinja Kotan. Okay, so under the aegis of the uh of the apotropis, it became a muad, and then the person that they were watching it for, the minor became an adult, or the person who was, had a mental break, whatever, became well again. So in those cases, okay, what would be now the status? Does it go back to being a tom? And then you pay half? Or does it continue to be a muad and you pay full so it remains a muad Rebbe Yaakov Savar, which is no when it changes possession, ownership it goes back to its previous status so that is an issue that we have seen before okay so that was sort of figuring out this issue about Rebbe Yaakov and Rebbe along the way we've introduced this very strange idea of Rebbe Yehuda that it's a half time half Muad and a low-level shmira works ironically for the muad part and not for the Tom part but again we are back with our uh, normal type, you know the types of concepts that we've been dealing with, about number one, when somebody's an apotropist for a chere of a katan, will it pay out as a tam, or will it only start paying out as a muad? And number two, when it goes back to the owner, does it revert to its original status? Okay, let's take a look now, as the mark continues. Tanur so now Petropus will pay like cat you know out of like the good property which is means like you know again who are they paying we decided uh, yesterday that either are they paying straight out of the bank account of the Kherushet or are they paying out of their own bank account and then getting reimbursed because as we said Kherushet uh, logically should not be liable at all they're not liable if they directly damage so logically the only person that should be hived should be the Petropus he's like a show mayor. but nevertheless nobody would want the job so therefore you're either going to be paid out of the, kind of the or he will get reimbursed ok so he will but it will get they will get paid and certainly when it's a muad that's minhaliyah the ain is kofir. kofer but if the animal became a muad under the uh, aegis of the of the Apotropos, or maybe even if he took it as a muad and then it goes and gores and kills somebody it won't take kofer now why not if you're going to pay for it if it's full damages if it gores if it's a Muad and the Apatrumpus will pay then you would think in any case if somebody loses their life all the more so there should be some type of payment
1: uh-huh. okay
0: so that, or more we'll see if like a Corban and a Kapara so let's take a look so the Mars says like this Montana Kapara viatu kaparinihu. so the more assumes here's the logic behind it Kofar is not a type of a compensation right if it were some assigned compensation for the loss of life then then, if you're going to pay for the damage of property or injury, you should be paying for loss of life. But if it's seen as, like the word suggests, an atonement, it's sort of like they're bringing a court. You bring a korban. Your ox Gordon and killed somebody. There was a loss of life due to your negligence. Um, you know, so you know, it's not it's not misa. You didn't, you didn't kill. It's not ghost, You didn't kill as well. Bishogeh. Your 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 property killed, but you need some kapara. So instead of doing a korban, the way you achieve kapara is you give a certain amount of money to to the pro- to the family of the person who was killed, and that is seen as a type of a kapara, type of a korban. But ultimately, it's about expiating your sin. So that's the issue. So in, in,
1: intentionally, un- what? Right? If I like, send my rabid dog to like go wall somebody, right? So I still wouldn't be.
0: Um, you know, it's a good point. I mean, the Torah doesn't uh, distinguish between that. I mean, if you remember the gemara before about the snake that you did like this to or whatever, you know. Um, I mean, if it would be well, that would also be the mission which we'll get to, which whether when you sick a, when it's uh, the, the ox that is uh, sicked on, whatever, that, that's, that's uh, provoked, um, the Mishnah says that you don't go the ox, tomorrow we'll discuss whether you pay cofair. so let's discuss it there, but you're right, you could actually be the one provoking, um, so, um, okay, so anyway, but it says that, so, so then the orphans are not fit to be paying atonement payment, and the interesting question is why we sort of don't say, again, that maybe the Apitropos has to be paying for his own Kapara, right, again, that's sort of not being focused on somebody's a shomer of an ox and the ox gores right so who presumably the shomer would pay the Kapara so it's interesting that again we sort of focus on the fact that the epitrope, that the orphans are not are not in that category um, but let's and, and that's enough to explain why the why the is exempt because he's only seen as representing them not as sort of being liable on his own account okay the yasmi lab in a so who is that one who so who's that lot so that follows the logic that it's a, that it's a kapara who is that position this is Rabbi Shmal, the son of Rabbi Barokka, Tanya, Tanya here we're going to start to get into, it's funny that even though, really, the end of the Mishnah, which is really a separate mission in the Mishnayot, about a stadium ox, and then the next Mishnayot are going to all be about Kofar. the Gemara is getting in, starting us already in the Kofar discussion, with this question about the ox of a that killed somebody that's being watched by an apitropist, the ox of a Kherishot Tavakotan. Okay, so the reason it's exempt is we focus on not the, and they're not deserving of, they're, they're not deserving. They're, they're, they don't require kapara. They're not in the category of being obligated in mitzvot. So, who is that position? It says, in kofir alav, if, the, uh, if a kofir is placed on the owner, then he'll give the uh, redemption of his soul based on what, what is assessed, what is placed upon him. So, how much is the redemption of his soul? The main nizak, so the, with the time of comma says that means. The value of the life of the person who was murdered. Um, Sometimes they call him nizak and not nairag, um or Nirzach. Anyway, so the one who was murdered, um, who was killed, let's say. Um, so uh, now, that w- and again, you figure that out, sort of basically, like by the slave market. Okay, and that's what the payment is. No, you pay for the life of the how much the, the life the, the, the person of the, the the owner of the ox, how much he would go for in the slave mar- market. So what is this? The Gemara assumes that this is like a deep conceptual debate. My Let's say this is a debate. Fundamentally, what you're paying is compensation. And if you're paying compensation, you pay for the val- some way of assessing the value of the life of the one who was killed. It's atonement. So basically, if it's atonement, it's sort of like an idea. You deserve to be executed. Right? But we are not going to execute you. Instead, you know, if you actually think about it, so what are the possibilities say anybody know what the buzzer says before it says in kofair you shot and And then it says in Okay, in right, Then okay. So Pshad of the Pesach is, I mean, the real shot is we really put the owner to death, but if you've got money, you can buy your way out. Okay? But the way Chazal reads it is the guy is deserving of death and instead of being put to death, he'll be able to buy the redemption of his soul by paying money. Okay? So that sounds like, right, that you are basically, you are redeeming your soul, your life, you're deserving to be put to death, and instead, you are giving money as a substitute for your life. So that's a type of a kapara, to atone for your sin. You're not paying because this, you know, for the compensation, you're paying instead of giving your life. By the way, this is an interesting question about ayin tachasayin. If I, will get to it when we get but if Ayin Tachas means Mamon, why does the Torah frame it as Ayin Tachas So according to a number of right Mefarshim, what it's saying is is that you deserve to get have the same thing done to you, but instead you'll just pay money. Well, but if that's what it is, then how much for whose eye should you be paying? So there actually is an opinion of the Tanayim that Ayin Tachas Ayin means you pay for the value of your eye, not the value of the eye that you knocked out. Okay, because it really is this type of a thing. Is this was deserved, and instead of doing what we should be doing to you, we're giving money as a substitute okay, and that certainly is pshah here it's almost explicit here, so therefore Rabbi, Rabbi Smith has the logical thing he says, that it's to mazik it's the, the value of your life so the more assumes that the other opinion sees it as compensation, just one minute so my lab, baka mifli, rabbanan tzava kufra manu, rabbanan tzava kufra, kufra kapara, pop papa, lo, that's not necessarily a debate, kapara everybody would agree it's kapara here's the debate Yes, you pay atonement. How, what is your atonement? How do you gain atonement? By paying for the life of the one who was killed. No, your atonement is for your life. So Gemara says, "My time a drabon." And what's the logic of drabon? "Nemar shita l'matav and It says, "Kasher yushata lav," and it also says, by the case of the woman who's get pregnant, woman who's hit and she miscarries, it says, um, "It says what's the pasif? Um It says, "Yeah, it says uh, yeah, kasher yushata." What is what the pasuk is? "Kasher yushita lav ba'ah yishav and atam bi'sleim." Okay, so the way it gets assessed. So clearly what's being paid for there is the, some assessment of the value of the life of the fetus that was just, uh, miscarried. So, the same way there clearly means the life of the, of the one the injured party, the value of the injured party. So that's how you shot means a way of assessing what was lost. No, redeem your soul. He, the person who's paying, shall give the redemption of his life. So his, the redemption of his life is the value of his life. Rabbanan says that, and the rabbis say back, In, can you not succeed? Yes, it's true. You do redeem your life. How do you redeem your life? The way you redeem your life is by paying for the other for the value of the other guy's life. So you're not paying redeeming your life for your for giving the value of your life, but for paying for his. Okay. So anyway, that is the issue. So the mother really pushes this idea, which is obviously shot in the psukim, that everybody agrees that kufar is kapara, and if everybody agrees kufar is kapara, you the apotropist will never pay if an ox kills somebody because fundamentally he's representing the orphans, and the orphans themselves are not do not need to do you know to, to, to do something for atonement yes. and this
1: would be in contradiction if it, if it kills a slave then, then it's not a it's fixed ability. right it's
0: but able. that another question whether orphans are beneknas if we consider that to be a knas but you're right <laughs> It is an interesting question, what would be destroyed by a slave? It would not be Kapara. There, there we generally treat it more as more as knas. Um Yeah, I mean, the general assumption is that orphans are also not bene knas. okay? That the most we can sort of do is, is is impose upon them compensation, because again, even though it's true that at some level they're not liable for compensation either, I mean, the irony is that if they directly damage somebody, they don't pay, but you can't make an apotropist who's watching them every minute to protect them from getting, you know, the way you can sort of make, but you want to, but there's a sort of social need to create a system that people can get compensated. So therefore at least we can do that by their property and we can make it an apotropos. Okay, so that's seen as something that we can't impose on them even though in principle they shouldn't be, they're legally not required to do tushling them altogether. Right, boys, there's things like kapara and kanas are seen as not appropriate to impose upon them. Okay, so now look at myself like this. Um, Michelelle played rev Rav Nachman, so Ravah was uh praising uh was talking to revv Nachman and pra- and talking up but Ravakov got himlou he was he was saying oh this ravaka Yaakov, he's a big Tommran you just got to talk to him so I'm away so Rev Nachman says be great next time you uh you know you bump into him bring him to me and we'll we'll talk into Torah. I'm a so okay so Rova brought says Ravayakov to Revnachman I'm lay bring me nine milsa Ask me. Go ahead. Ask me something. You know. You know. You know. You're asking for trouble. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. See. See. See if you can stop me. Ask me something. So here's what Rav Nachman asked him. So <laughs> so Rav so, so, asked him the following <laughs> thing. Your, uh, Rav Nachman asked Ravacha Yaakov the following thing. Ravacha Yaakov is now being given a faher. Okay. So here it is. Uh, if you have an ox that's owned by two by by partners, and it goes and it kills somebody. How, how do you pay out the kofer? Uh, um, uh, uh, um, wait a minute. Kids, kids, uh, uh, what? Oh, I'm sorry, thank you. Right, right. high high Each one should pay out the koffer. of So, it's one, you know, it's only one payment, not two payments. Um, high chati koffer, the high chati Each one should pay half. Kovachar It says a full one, not a half one. Now, Rashi tells us both clarify what the question is. If my, if an ox of two, of two, owners gores uh, and injure somebody, you don't say the terms is shalem ya Each each person has to do a full tashlumim and not a half tashlumim. But very clearly, the focus is on, you know, making good, compensating. So we really don't care that each one, you know, pays half as long as the person gets compensated. Here, the focus is on atonement. So, for example, Torah says, let's say there's a scenario where we both could have done a sin in partnership. Like, there's one opinion that says the whole discussion is two people are... Chol Shabbos, right? At the same, like we both carry a, uh, a sofa out to Rosh Harabim, do so we? Uh, were we eat Shabbos, or neither of us? So there's an opinion that we were each Mechal Shabbos. So we wouldn't say I bring a half a korban and you bring a half a korban. If I have the sin of Chol Shabbos, that needs the full atonement of the full korban. So that's the argument why you, right? Because it's about sin and atonement. I can't be saying half. I have to do if it's my sin. I have to do the full, the full thing. There was the thing that represents the full atonement. Okay, so Tosaf says but in that case we could both bring a korban so in this case what's the problem let's both pay the full kofar she so says you know what if the kofar went to the base mikdash we would say that we wouldn't say kofar echad we'd say fine each one pay a full kofar but the kofar goes to the nizak family and therefore just because the ox is owned by two partners there's no logic why the nizak family should now get double payment right so yes it's sort of an atonement and it's sort of like a korban but it's also like achieved by a payment of compensation that's made to the family so there's not a good logic on the one hand from the focus on the perpetrator and the guilt and what needs atonement each one needs a full on the focus of the payment that goes out and that's received each one should only be paying a half and therefore we can't exactly figure out how to deal with it okay
1: why well, shouldn't they
0: no, uh, how do you know pays, uh, pays pays Nezek I mean you know there's no assumption that the on- the nature of the ownership well okay what you're saying is maybe the answer is since you can't do either you pay nothing that's a possible answer, but the question still a question. Okay. Yeah. I know, I know
1: Tosos brings the case of every sort of that so
0: they're all hunters. Why? I don't understand. I mean, I don't understand why this is any different. That's ten different people. Tosos asked about if we, if if, if three, if, if like if like two people own an ox and right. two oxen gore at the same time, that would be that that would be a question. But there, Tosos says. It's not
1: like we're killing wh- you at the same time. What? It's not like we're, It's not like two people are trying to kill. Like,
0: no, it is. Tosa says that, but we say kinesis about and kachnesis are sure. So if two people kill a person at the same time and we say that, they're both, that neither of them get executed, so then the, the oxen that did it would also wouldn't get stoned and you wouldn't pay the co fare. Right. right? But here, it's one, yeah, one act that's being done. The ox has totally... The ox is certainly going to get stoned. The ox has totally done an act of murder. There's only one ox, right? Okay. And to two oxen. Right. Let's say it was a slave that was owned by two people who, who murdered somebody, right? That would clearly be... That. Right? So, the, you know, so it's, it's... Right. So, two oxen is a different story. Okay, so it must is like this. Um, and he to become iron So as he was like, wait, 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 he said, I got to think this one through. So in, in the middle, of like he was trying to think it through, he said, Oh, you know what? I got another question for you. Lay <laughs> Here's another question I got for you. <laughs> if somebody makes a donation to the base of Mikdash, like erech, like you know, the value of somebody is on me, some type of a donation to Bet and then he's not paying up, so the base of Mikdash will basically go ahead and uh, start. Uh, seizing his property. Okay? Taking his property as collateral. Because just because you owe money to the shul doesn't mean you're necessarily going to, on your own accord, be motivated to pay. But, if you owe a korban, then, because your atonement is at stake, in the base so so this that knows that you're in arrears for bringing your korban. They're not going to go ahead and seize your property. They figure that you'll be motivated enough. By the way, another way of understanding that is not just that you'll have okay. sufficient motivation, but also what you
1: need to, you need to feel the responsibility. Uh,
0: well, oh, you're saying what? Because you, you're being forced to do it.
1: No, yeah. What, what? I mean, when, it, when, when you say you confiscate the property, you take an ox?
0: Right. Or they could take your car until you bring a korban, and then they'll give it back to you. But yeah. But you know, it's also similar to that issue whether you're kofinos. So actually, Yomer wrote to Ani by the bringing of a korban is a similar question about being compelled. And the other question could be: So, a there's a question about being compelled to bring a korban. But the other question is also, um, um, you know, do you owe the korban to the base of Hamikdash or like do you owe it to God? Like, you know, the base Hamikdash seizing your property is like a legal entity, right? Like, you know, like what is it? Like one of the like the, like, like the church has like is one of the largest like uh, you know uh, landholders or whatever, right? So as like as like as like a, as like a business entity, that's when you owe them money me. But if you owe a Korban, is that like between you and the oh, and the sort of the, you know, the business entity known as the Beis HaMikdash, or is that between you and God, you know, and you just, uh, so like maybe it's not even appropriate for it, you know, if, I, if I'm not getting Kapara, that's between like, you know, it's like I'm not doing Shuvah Yom Kippur, that's between me and God. Is it really something that the basic HaMikdash has a right to be seizing? Anyway, so therefore you don't do it. So this was the question Rav Nachman asked him. What would you say if somebody owes a Kofar? so since it's like uh, for it's kapara, the guy treats it as a Chatham as a Chatham and it's very weighty upon him and therefore even if he's not paying up right away we don't have to seize his property because eventually he will pay because he feels compelled because it's his atonement oh what do we say since he's paying his friend he's not bringing a korban so he treats it as just money you see this whole attitude that sort of interpersonal obligation. We don't treat as weighty psychologically as religious ones. So here the Buddha says, Yeah, I'd it's your kapara, but you figure it's just money I owe to a person. So therefore, it's not like I'm doing something religious with it. So he doesn't treat it as weightily. Therefore, you would have to take collateral and seize his property if he's not paying up the kapara. So, or here's another way of thinking about it since he personally didn't sin, he's responsible for what his property did but he didn't do it himself so he doesn't feel such a weighty sense of guilt and he won't feel so motivated to pay or buy mashkonim. we would have to take rattle in order to get him to pay um, so i this was the this second question he asked him while he was still thinking about the first one of two partners so I'm away so he said back to him Shabton leave me alone you become ice. I'm still worried about working out for the first one <laughs> I'm literally he's like I'm closed in I'm I'm sealed in with the first one so obviously so once again So uh, Rav Nachman sort of, uh, you showed him up, you're such a big Talmud Chacham. he couldn't, anyway, he didn't, he didn't give it, we don't know either answer. Now, by the way, Tosvos says, interesting. asking Tosvos, Tosvos says, where's Tosvos? V'ley, M'ley, no, where's Tosvos? One minute. Oh yeah, Haive Kofirmai, this tiny little tosal so about the about being lemash in him. Tos says be Yoshe Hanizak at momibaiale in my holding lemaskino. So Tosal says so the to- so the to- so they want to know if the Yoshe Hanizak can be in him. Uh wait wait, where was the point there? Meaning, because it's not the base on that's being memosky in him, it's the Yorsheh hanizak. Uh but one of the Mefershim explain that um so what's the point of that Tos saying be Yoshia Nizak atmo we So it might be just saying that it's not an issue of the base on right? He doesn't owe money to the base of Mykdosh, the so him is the Yoshia hanizak. But others say that what Tosus is getting at, and this is not necessarily shot of the Gemara, is that right, he's contrasting it to Based he says, I don't get it of course Basin could be Mimashkine you owe money to somebody what do they care whether the underlying reason you own money is Kapara or not Kapara if Basin is already passed in the case and you owe money then Basin can come and be Mimashkine to pay up right it doesn't matter how much we think you're you're you're, you know you're 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 motivated or not motivated the Nizek's family comes to Basin says they have a debt they haven't paid it we want our money and then uh, the Basin has to come and collect on behalf of on behalf of them so Tuzel's if, if we read, those us that way. It's saying that once this has been sort of a judgment has been given in court, the court it doesn't matter what the history of it is. The court will collect based on you know the judgment that was issued. So the whole question here, and it doesn't matter how much we think the guy might be motivated. The whole question is the same way. The base hamikdash directly could be Mimasken, The base hamikdash would send out their officers to seize property. Here the question is similar without the use of the court. Can the family of the nizak directly seize the property? So that's a that's uh it might be different once the issue has been sort of processed through the courts then we might not care about the previous history okay now we're going to go back to we're going to put kofar aside for a minute we'll come back to it but we're going to go on to
1: Question or not going
0: to answer the question we're going to go back to this case about the tom and the muad and about being watched by somebody else except no now by people who are all competent and not, um, and, uh, but it is going to be a case of a show mare. Okay. You borrowed an ox and you presumed it was a tom. And it turned out that it was a muat. So, now the halacha you have to understand is that if I borrow an ox, I am liable for paying if it goes any course. Okay, so I've assumed it was a tam, and it turned out to be a muat. So who pays now? So the b'aita says we each pay half, because even, even, w- even if it had been a tam, I would have paid half. So it turned out it was a muat, I still pay the half I would have paid, and you, the owners, pay the original half, because, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's your animal. Well,
1: Who had, does this make a difference if he told him or was he negligent, not
0: finding out? Okay, so we're going to find out in the middle, in a minute. Who had the vase Now, let's say I bought it and it was a tom, and it became a muad under my, under my watch. Ve'ech ziru le'balim, and returned it to the owners. So this is the Rishus Mashana question. miklum. So it sounds like we're saying that returning it to the owners, it goes back to being a tom. So the owners pay half, and the shoel is completely potter. Okay, so that's the question about when you return. Turn it. Does it go back to being a tom? Amar, now let's unpack this. The Amai, why would it turn out to be a muah? Does the show have to still pay his half? Let him say to the owners. I thought I was borrowing an ox. I didn't think I was borrowing a lion. So I, if it was a tom, it wouldn't have gored. Okay. So it's not like oh anyway, I knew I was going to pay a half. I thought I was getting an animal that wasn't going to gore. So I shouldn't pay anything for this animal. the case is that you saw by its temperament that it was like you know that it was a violent ox so you knew when you took it that if you did not watch it you could expect that it would gore somebody and you'd be paying half so the only only complaint you have against me the owner is that you'll say but I thought I was only I was only risking half payment not full payment but in terms of the likelihood and the presumed responsibility you took you saw what you could have expected okay nameless so
1: still the whole idea of coming was
0: that there could be a, that there could be an idea of seeing that it has habitual well even yeah I mean it undermines it more, certainly if you say that it's like uh, um, yu de Torah again if it's like a de Gavra but you're right meaning there are some things that like we can see is going to be likely but has not yet gone through a formal process I mean you do need law you can't go ahead and try to assess every single circumstance and say right I mean that's the problem I mean that's the reason in general for formal rules um, you mean if we all need formal rules in order to to impose a fork knot and we should need those same formalities to say that you can I can say I assumed it was or whatever that's yeah, a good question that's <laughs> a good question um, alright the name of lay let the show I'll still say to him Tom sheili lo sheili. Okay, so okay, fine. I knew it was likely, but to tell, I thought it was a tom. So here, the answer is obvious. when da The owner says to him, "So, Tom by Shlume. I said, "I'm No, fine. You thought it was a tom, but you were still go, knew, knew that it was likely to gore, and if you didn't watch it, you'd pay half. So the fact that it was muad does not change. You know, should not get you out of the half that you would have paid had it been technically a tom. So
1: lohi What will
0: be the law? You pay nothing and the owner would pay the full. So
1: then you're saying they're not splitting the MUAT payment. The show was paying what would have been the Tom payment. Right. And the owner, <laughs> because he knew
0: the MUAD was So for the rest. Right. And Tulsa's actually points out that let's say um, the MUAT payment was like five times the value of the of the of the animal itself. So that the shower's liability is only up to the value of the animal itself, just like had it been a Tom. Mm-hmm. So correct. The shower's liability, you first assess what what would you, the show, have paid had it been a Tom? And the owner pays the rest. Absolutely correct. So if the ox is worth enough, it would be half and half. But if it's not worth enough, you basically pay what you would have had it been a Tom. Okay, the name of Itam Migufo. So he says, Yeah, fine. But if it was a Tom, they would have taken it out of the animal and it wouldn't have come out of my pocket. No, Mishim the owner says back to him, Sof Sof, her by Shlumeli Didi. Yeah, they would have taken the animal and then you would have had to compensate me because you had lost my animal. So therefore, at the end of the day, had it been a time, you would have paid, and therefore, you're going to pay now. But again, you're only going to pay what you would have paid as a time, half up to the value of the animal. The so lay let the shoel say to the owner, in tam have a modino misterina. If it would have been a tam, I could have gotten out of paying anything. I would have just admitted that the animal had done it, and the motive of kenas mamona. And even if you say name a lei, I can say, look, I still could have gotten out of it. If it was a tam. Itamu I would have brought it to the swamp and taken it out of the access of the, of the Nisa. Now, Tosa says... What type of a taina is that? That would be gzela. They have a right to it, right? What are you doing? They, you know, oh, I could have prevented them from gaining access to it. <laughs> what do you mean? You could have taken some object that they've owned? That, that's a that would you know who's that wouldn't have been permissible. So Tosos says, you know, but it would have given me um, it would have given me la- leverage in negotiating. If you take a look at Tosvos, okay, he says like this. having read the Agma, Tosa says, Tama, my Taina Hisu, in Kainaya osa Shiloh kedin. Okay? And then he works out whether it would have made a difference Rebbe Akiva and Rebbe Um But if you took a look, lines up to Rebbe Akiva. Rebbe Akiva, Dama, Shutzim, Ninhu, Middle of Tosos, Yavi goes Hayagozelo, in Isaac. So what type of a claim is that? The do in Yadu, Yishalim. And if he just is trying to avoid paying, basing would we'll put him in Kerem. Um, I could have managed to have gotten him to accept a lower payment. Okay, I could have made it hard for him to get me to court and, you know, gotten to him to, uh, to concede to a lesser payment. Now that you are because now that it's a muad and he can just seize any of your property, you have no leverage. But if his only ability would have been to seize the ox, we would have had a lot more leverage and we could have gotten him down. Okay? And, and so therefore. I,
1: anyway, for any, I, for any time, why is Tom Hutman? Because, because. Oh, I could have, uh. Then
0: don't go ahead and do it. So fine. So your time, Gore dove's ox, you go ahead and try to get that leverage and he'll try to sue you and we'll see how it plays out. But here that's not happening. Here was a Mu'ad, he got full payment, and now you're you're going back to the show, Al, and asking him for a half. And the show is saying, I'm sorry, buddy, if it was a time it wouldn't have played out that way. If it was time we would have gotten off with a lot less money. So you can't ask me for first for half. Um, okay, so the Gord says, Um El Hokemaaskina could go into Badina Okay, fine. So the scenario is is that the basin sees the animal immediately. So therefore, even had it been a tom, he wouldn't have had the option to be mode. You can't be moda once bastin has it. And he wouldn't have had the option to have used it as leverage. Okay? says Gemara, So why are the owners liable? They should get fully compensated by the shoel. Why should they get fully compensated by the shoel? You got my ox seized by somebody I can't retrieve it from. So just say to the shoel, look, Forget about the issue of what I owe that guy I damaged. Okay? You have to now pay me full for my ox. You got my ox lost. It's like my ox was stolen because of your you're in Shemira, my ox is now seized by the basin, you're a shoel, you have to compensate me for the loss of my ox. So maybe I'll pay the Nizak, but you're going to first full pay me for the full value of the loss of my ox. So why, don't you, why doesn't he get to say that? He shouldn't Amar because the shoel says back to him, let's say I would have given you the ox. Basically, would have taken it from your possession too. So even if I had done my job of a shoel and given you back the ox, it would have been seized by the basin. So the fact that the basin seized it right away, it's not like I didn't return it. That was going to be the end result of this ox anyway. Okay? So name allay, so let the name of Lay, so let's let the owner say to the show out, No, Yadid Niale, you had given it to me before basin seized it, have a I would have taken it to the base into into the uh, you know, into the what do you call it, into the swamp, and I would have prevented basin from seizing it. So because now what he's saying to the show is not your negligence in letting it gore, but your negligence in letting and sees it that caused me to lose money and you need to compensate me for that because the show will say So so let's say you would have gotten it, put it into the swamp. You would have had to pay the full damage of it, of it. So you would have been out that money anyway, right? So because the ox gored, I did my job in terms of shum or whatever. I was only liable for half damages because it gored. You were going to be liable for the other half. You can't come to me and say, "Oh, I, I, I lost your ox." Your liability would have meant that you would have paid out that money either in cash. Or in the ox. So the fact that the basin sees the ox is not some additional loss that I have caused you. Okay? So Gemara says, one minute. Islay <speaking in Hebrew> that's true if I have other money that you know, that the basin can seize. <speaking in Hebrew> but if there's no other money, Michael and Maymar, then the then the owner can say, No, buddy, you caused me loss. Had you actually returned the ox, I would have, you know, kept it into the swamp and used it as leverage or whatever so your failure to return it to me and your ability to let and you're letting basin seize it that caused me some loss because this is the only property that I have and I could have had more leverage had you returned it to me rather than letting basin seize it so what is the show say back to him yes
1: so you would have to pay anyway no matter what
0: that's right but if this is the only property I have then the only payment would have come out of this ox and I if you had returned it to me rather than letting basin seize it I could have hidden it away and you to this leverage, so you're letting Basin seize it, caused me a loss.
1: We don't say that uh, if he let's say he did 100 dollars worth of damage, only 50 now, he just pays fifty. It's Not like I 50 when he gets another 50 later.
0: Um, I mean, the same argument I guess would have been with if I didn't have the money right now and it would have taken me a long time to earn the money. It would have given me leverage. Okay, so, so yeah. Do so
1: you can negotiate that? They're saying you really not?
0: No, Basin doesn't negotiate it. I can negotiate it with the guy.
1: Yeah, who says he would have... Would
0: okay, but, uh, fine, but that's what we're assuming. We're assuming that if I could have brought it to the swamp, I would have low, gotten the price to be lower. Okay, Mishum Da'amale, so the shell says to him, You're telling me that I did something wrong by letting it get seized by basin, I'm sorry, buddy. The same way I had a responsibility to you to get you your cow back. I had a responsibility to give that cow to the nizak. why did you have why was that your responsibility that's my responsibility says the owner no you have nothing. the teacher of nothing to Tanya me know how do you know if Reuben you know if if Reuben you know oh uh, oh um, has a debt against Shimon and Shimon has a debt against against Lazy. so motim is ever was that Reuben can go straight to Lazy, get his hundred dollars maybe owes Shimon a hundred and Shimon owns Reuven that, lay, that, that, that Reuven goes straight to Levi and gets $100 you give the money to the one who is it's owed to meaning if eventually that money is going to go up the chain and go to Ruvain, you can give it direct to Reuven so basically the Shomer says I had a responsibility to give you your ox back but you had a responsibility to give that ox to Bastin! Now you're saying you could have negotiated this and that and hated it. Bottom line was you owed the ox to Bastin. So, or you owed the ox to the Nizak. So if I gave it straight to Bastin, you can't blame me. That's exactly just, you know, that's exactly where it should have gone in the end. Okay, so anyway, that was a little interesting back and forth, but the bottom line is, is that. If the Nizak knows to anticipate a Goring, uh, the, the show out, knows to anticipate a Goring ox, he's going to pay what he would have paid as a Tom, half up to the value, and the owner pays the rest. And the Gemara just had to figure out, would have, have been a Tom, have given him some other options that are now being lost out that could get him to even pay, not pay at all. But at the end, in the scenario we've done, even had it been a Tom, he would have paid, and therefore he's going to pay that amount now as I'm well.
1: Try one more time, but happened happens if he didn't recognize those was a, Nizak, it was a Then he would pay nothing. And the owner yeah, would pay the phone. the phone.
0: Yep. Okay.
1: So, uh now. Now let's look at the end. Um
0: okay. Who undervased Showel, the Xirul Balim? If it was uh warned in the owner and uh, under the possession of the Showel and became a moor and then returned to the owners, Balim Mushal Mch, the owners pay half, the Show of Pa um Mosham Chatinezek, the Show Potra the Show is totally exempt, presumably because it goes back to the Natam. Save a Rashus moshana. So in the end it goes back the, the the changing of the ownership makes it going back to the Ningatam. Ratio Rishusina Mish. Ratha Mishana But in the beginning, what's the pres- presumption of the beginning. The presumption of the beginning is is that you gave it to the Shoal and it was a Muad. So presumably when you give it to the Shoal, it stays a Muad. Why does it go back to being a time when you gave it to the Shoal? So in the beginning, giving it to a Shoal doesn't change its status. But in the end, the Shoal giving it back to the owner does change its status. What logic does that make? So the Gemara says, I'm Rev Yochanan, Tavra, zo, So Rev Yochanan, classically, he says, that doesn't bother him. Fine. It's not one opinion, which is so crazy because clearly it's like to say one halach about those cases. That case. Anyway, you're right. The beginning assumes that changing possession doesn't make it lose its, change its status and the end assumes it does. And since the beginning assumes that giving it to the showel doesn't make it lose its status, same and Nami and in the end as well, giving it back to the owner doesn't make it lose its status. So then why does the owner only pay half? Okay. Because it's a fascinating idea that the owner says I, you, you have no ability to, to make me liable. Meaning, when I made you a show Al, sort of, and made you, uh, you know, like represent my interests and so on, or whatever, I went not represent my interests. But anyway, taking over my ox. You know, you had no power to make, to, 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 to uh, like, you know, to damage my ox in this type of a way, to make my ox into a muad, which would make it worth less. So if basically, if Michael here had owned an ox and made it a muad, and then I chose to buy it off of Michael, I'm like, I okay, agree. I know that I'm buying a muad, and it stays in its muad status even after I buy it. But if Michael is a showel, right, if he's going to make it into a muad, I don't have a choice about that. I'm going to get. He's going to turn my act into a muad, and I don't have a choice. And he's just going to hand it back to me. So I'm saying, you know what? If the only person who can create that status, who has the sort of right to make that status, you know, is is my, is me. You, you're not, you know, you can't you have, you can't hurt me in that way. You have no right to hurt me in that way. Now you could say, why don't you just pay? You made it into a muad. Now you pay me for the for the loss of the fact, right? Meaning, that it's like it's like one thing is okay. Michael hurt my interest by making it into a muad. So let him pay me for that, right? Let him pay me. He damaged my ox. He turned it into a muad. But it seems like it goes deeper than that. Like he can't since it's necess- automatically going to go back to me, then it's not fair that he, he that he makes it a Muad and I, you know, somebody other than me makes it have that status. And that by the way could be the Gemara earlier about the apotropis. Right? The Gemara earlier about the apotropis when it says when the apotropis gives it back, it reverts. When the Gemara abstracted it to this broad idea of Rashus meshaneh, which is a very disturbing idea, right? It might be saying no, that's a Shosh Hashanah where the person receiving it has no choice if I know that I am buying a muad ok I am choosing to buy a muad I assume that liability but if I am a Shomer ret- who turned it into a muad or an apotropus and returning it to you that's not fair to you fundamentally you had no choice in that transaction. you are now stuck with a muad so in that type of a case where you are not as- consciously and willingly assuming that liability then it does not get to retain that status of a muad it's yes
1: and if it is a Torah if it is a Torah then it would been
0: the same thing was in your position right? yeah that's always true right I mean you're right I mean it's still be overridden by the question of fairness but who cares about fairness it's a, right it's a it's a we know it's a habitual lot right. I know all this still assumes some level of, of who are Gavra but anyway so that's but that seems to be the argument which is a very logical argument if you have no choice but to get it back it cannot be imposed on you okay but by the way well that's different than when I give it to the showel if I give it to the showel he's accepting it right not making a choice to accept now it turned out that he thought it was a tom okay but halakhically anyway it's not being forced upon him so in that case it is it retains its status but when it's being forced to return to somebody it, it its status reverts to what it was yes
1: this phrase turned it into a Moor what does yeah. it mean how does he turn it into a moor? through
0: going through the process of the witnesses coming to Baston legally turning I mean we're not talking about its nature we're talking about its legal status no, no. so it was warned in base, it gored right. and it, warned, it was warned in based in front of the sky and he ignored the warnings and all of that that whole process oh, I see okay yeah
1: well listen do you also say that Moor oxen like have a cold so then shouldn't he have been more diligent that I, I they're
0: going back to that earlier thing I don't know about that um, I don't know um, okay so the murder says, okay, so that's, I think I think that's a very interesting approach you're right, the Gemara never ties it in exactly to uh, you know, about de de Torah, but it's basically saying there's a big difference when you give it back to somebody who has to receive it back, as opposed to, and you're the one who changed the status, as opposed to somebody who willingly, knowingly accepted, in that case it would retain its status okay, um so that's his answer. Uh, uh, look. i to say that Rishus Mishana raise the Rishus Mishana. No, no, no. Since the end, it says that when the Shoal gives it back to the owner, it reverts its status. We see that this Breit assumes that Rishus is Mishana. When it changes possession, it changes status. So the same way if Ruvian brought it off a Shimon, it would go back to being a Tom. When it changes ownership, it goes back to being a Tom. So why, when you give it to the Shoal, does it not go to being a Tom? The to the Gemara says there's actually a difference between somebody who is a watcher for me and actually changing possession. So we have three scenarios. This is actually the Gemara did, did very nicely because this Rashus Mashana is too big of an idea. It's too like abstract you know, you know it like, covers too many cases. There's three cases. One is Ruvain buys it from Shimon. Okay. In that case, clearly it changes its identity and its status. It's you know, Ruvain's ox and not Shimon's ox. When and it, it will, No, I'm just I'm not I haven't said the Halachi yet. Okay? And it was like willingly taking possession of it. So that's one case. Okay? In that case you could say on the one hand it changed his identity. It should go back to being a Tom. On the other hand, Ruvé really knew what he was getting into. He was, con- he was willingly making a choice to accept it. So maybe it should change the status. So that's like a middle case. The other extremes are the showmare making it into a mood and giving it back to the owner. In that case okay you know he's it's being forced back on the owner so there we could sort of say that's not fair that the owner should get forced to accept it as a muad and it should revert okay so that's the argument to say that that's one extreme which would say that in that case it's reversed because it's being forced back on the owner you know because the fairness issue in that case should say that it that it goes back to its original status the other extreme is the case where I give it to a show mare. in that case yes somebody else is watching it but it is still my ox being watched by somebody else so in that case right it's like both things indicate that it should retain its status number one is from a formal sense it's still my ox and number two is the other person willingly accepted it, right? So you see how sort of this spreads out? If the guy willingly accepts it, and it really is still has the name of the original owner on it, so in that case, there's very little reason to say that it should lose its status and revert back, okay? The guy knew what he was doing. He willingly accepted it. It wasn't being forced on him, and it retains its identity, okay? The, the, the other case extreme is what was being forced back on him, okay? And that's the case where we say it does revert back. And the middle case is where you sort of consciously buy it. Yeah. Okay, what? Okay, Same thing. It still would be here uh, under the name. All right, let's try to re- get, get a little bit further. Sure, today, Itzidim, we're finally getting now to the Kofor case. Okay, this uh, stadium ox, Einochai of Misa, mal Maul Gabi beach. Okay, can you bring it as a sacrifice? Because a shura, that's a sure nisco. even if it's not going to be stoned, even if it's, uh, you didn't have two witnesses, it was only because of the admission of the owner, or one witness, but, be- but because that's enough to establish from a... From may think like a, from a uh, moral. Uh, not moral no but from a uh, m- meaning not from a um, not from a court to impose a punishment but it's like by an isser sense like the same way I is there's neman be surin if one right so one aid says your ox gored so that's not enough for based in, to impose a punishment and to stone it but in terms of its halachic status in terms of now knowing that you know and one halachic status is that a goring ox that did not they like this cannot be used as a korban so what happens is you have a case like that but it didn't go on its own it was provoked can it be used as a Corban or not the ox was basically not doing it willingly it was forced into it so therefore it was just basically being used like by a tool by somebody else and you don't see it as though it had done a sin like the whole idea is like it was a, an animal that had a sin done to it or, or, or that did a sin so in this case it was just used by somebody else that doesn't sort of stigmatize the animal and make it invalid for the Mizpach. To Shmuel Amar I don't care if it was willingly doing it or not. It was used in the avera, and that stigmatizes it. So, the Marge says, Mese, let's ask him this. Mina Behema, it says, if you bring a Korban from the animal. So, me mean means only from some animals. To exclude an animal that was used in an act of bestiality, whether it was penetrated or, or did the penetration. Mina um, Bakar, some cattle. So to exclude not all all animals to exclude one that was worshipped as an as an idol. Minatson, some of the sheep, Wahotyasa muktza, something that was set aside to be worshipped, even if it had not yet been worshipped. U the extra vod, to exclude the case of a goring ox. Shimon Why do you have to say both being used in bestiality or goring? Both of those are cases where it didn't have and it would be stoned. Like the Torah says in both of those cases, you stone the ox. An ox that was worshipped as an idol, it doesn't say you stoned. It. But an ox that actually gored or was a, or, or was part of an act of bestiality, you stone it. So why do you have to say both? They're both basically the same category. Because each one has something the other doesn't have. By bestiality, it doesn't matter whether it's willing or not willing, meaning, as Raji says, whether it is the penetrator or the penetrated. So even if it was completely not a, with the conscious act of the animal, it still it has that status. Okay, by a nogeah we know, only if it got on its own, not if you provoked it. Nogeah, so that's the way that a roveah is more weighty. On the other hand, nogeah, meshalin, kofer. Roveah ain't no meshalin, kofer. Rovea pays kofer. Roveah, there's no kofer for this act of bestiality. Okay, so therefore the fact that there's this weightier payment, maybe that makes it a weightier thing. So one would not have implied the other. Okay, so let's. To what is this relevant for our question of kofar, of korban? We see that it says that by a roveya, whether it's forced or not forced doesn't matter, but nogeach it does matter. so when would it matter for a for a nogeach whether it was forced or not forced? Lamahilch, doesn't it mean that a nogeach, if it's- if it was forced to do negicha, you would not, you know, you would, um It would be possible for, it would not be possible for a korban. Saying by a, by, by, by a rovea, it's possible for a korban whether it's, whether it's forced or not forced. Whether it's the rovea or the nirva. But a nogea, that's only possible for a korban if it did it on its own, not if it's forced. So you see, if it's forced, it's not possible for a korban. So isn't that what it's saying? So the Mark says, whoa, it's No. We're not talking, we're talking about what its status is in another halacha to determine its status by a korban. We mean when it comes to stoning the ox. You stone an ox that's a rove or a nirva, but the only ox that you stone by when it kills somebody is, a no, is it, it's no if it's no geach per no Now if it's no geach, now if it's been provoked. hachanami mi mistav that makes sense. See a march of the korban. If we're talking about about what it's whether it would be kosher as a korban if it was provoked. no what do you mean it doesn't treat onus the same as ratson love neither of them Like, it seems like we're referring to its status in another place in order to determine whether it's pustle in a korban. So we can't be talking about whether it's kasher or pussel is a korban. That doesn't exist. That's not like a fact that's already been established. That's what we're trying to figure out. So, el alav v'katala, what we mean is we've already established that when it comes to stoning, we only stone it if it willingly does it, not if it's provoked. And therefore, we're going to use it as relevant data to determine whether it's pustle for a korban, right? I sort of see it's like a little circular. We can't be discussing. Oh, it's not puzzle for a qurban in this case, so it shouldn't be puzzle for a qurban. Like we don't. We're trying to figure out if it's puzzle for a So obviously, this difference is a different difference. So we haven't resolved the question. We know that it is uh, what do you call it? We know that you don't stone it because it's forced, and we know that a nirva you do stone even though it's forced. So the question is. That's, that's not consistent, right? We don't, for whatever reason, by a nirva, it's stoned even though it was not a willingly willing participant. And a nogeach, if it's not a willing participant, isn't stoned. So once we have that difference, which is not parallel, we don't know now what to make of the question of a korban. Just because a nirva is possible for a korban doesn't mean a nogeach is. On the one hand, you could argue nevda ba vera, but you have this lack of parallel, so that remains an unresolved question. Okay, to be continued tomorrow.